0: In November 2019, that date transformed my life drastically. I said enough. And I said it from my deep heart. Enough living a life based on others' opinions. Their decisions and their opinions will never change my destiny. Our destiny is determined by our mind and our attitude. I realized that every one of us has unlimited potential inside. And this unlimited potential becomes available only when we demand it. We are the only ones who determine the quality of our life. Nobody else. That's why I founded Unleash. I interview global CEOs, entrepreneurs and coaches all over the world to inspire and touch people by their stories and their experience. Because one story changed my life totally. And I believe also one story from our podcast can change yours as well. My mission is unleashing the human greatness to its utmost potential. stay tuned every friday with unleash with ahmed khalid's podcast and you inspiring story that would change the quality of your life Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening for all my brothers and sisters on LinkedIn. I would like to thank you for uh, the wonderful support all the time, especially the last episode for Unleashed. Uh, I would like to thank you for the engagement and the direct messages and all the emails. Seriously, I'm so grateful to be surrounded by people like you. And uh, because of you, we will keep solving many problems and all the challenges that you are facing on a daily basis. So uh, today, it's the second episode for Unleash. And as usual, uh, I will seize this moment to ask you, can you hear me in the comment? Can you hear me, guys? Can you listen to me before we start the second episode? Thank you, Hamamsi. Hamamsi, can you hear us? Marco, thank you. Hisham, yes, thank you. Ahmed Khareed, thank you. Hamamsi. Khalid, thank you. Hassan, okay. So I think now the video and audio is working right now. Okay so today episode we will be discussing supply chain challenges for the retail side and uh, as usual i have a special guest and he is considered uh, as a thought leader in the industry of supply chain he is the founder and the ceo of logistics bureau in australia he is the founder of the supply chain secret youtube channel with over uh, 30k subscribers online he has uh, 42 years of experience in the field of supply chain and logistics. He is an uh, advisor, he is a consultant, and he is a speaker. He is Rob O'Born. So welcome <laughs> with me, Rob. Ahmed, wonderful to see you again and all of your wonderful LinkedIn friends. It's a pleasure, Rob. Thank you so much for having the time today. I know that you have... Uh, uh it's the time today for you it's five o'clock five a.m and uh i'm so grateful
1: i've got got bags (laughs) under my eyes i had to get up at 4 a.m for this but for you no problem
0: (laughs) i can see thank you so much seriously uh, because you're taking this seriously and insisting to take the, the best time for audience in our network so thank you uh i would like if you don't mind Can you share a little bit about your story and the journey? Because people, they want to listen about this staggering 42 years of experience. You you make me sound very old. Uh, (laughs) Let me try and
1: give you a a, a very quick summary. So uh, I was born in the UK in a little island called Jersey in the Channel Islands, which is actually closer to France than the UK. And uh, my first career was actually in the military, in logistics, and after doing that for 20 years, I I moved to Australia and got into consulting, Um, and I've been consulting, well, running Logistics Bureau now for 25 years, so we're a consulting company that's based in Australia and Southeast Asia, Um, and we have the pleasure of working with companies all over the world, including your part of the world, um, helping them improve their supply chain operations, so... I've been in supply chain a very long time, probably too long. So um, one of the things I really enjoy doing is is sharing thoughts on supply chain and continually learning about supply chain as well, because that's that's how we improve. We all learn from each other.
0: Amazing, amazing, and I think I, I don't know, but I'm always listening to the the best logistics and uh, experience in in military so g- can you please just if you can share a little bit about this how it's 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 it, you have this enriching in experience in supply chain especially in logistics if you can share a little bit about about logistics in military the experience that you okay. have
1: um yeah that I mean, that seems like a lifetime ago that was uh, almost 30 <laughs> years ago now um but I, I was actually in the british army i was in a, a, a an area of the british army called the royal logistics corps um, and the logistics operations there were very like commercial operations in a way. We we had to look at the resupply of uh, fuels and food and, and munitions, of course, spare parts. You can imagine. Uh, you know, trying to uh, procure and deliver spare parts for tanks all over the world. So it was a, a very interesting time. Very different dynamics, of course, because in the commercial world, we're, not only are we trying to provide a great service, but we're trying to do it at minimal cost because we're trying to make a profit for our businesses. In the military, of course, it's quite different. The, the cost component is not so important. Uh, it's all, all about the service element. So, uh, yeah, quite, quite different, but an interesting background.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So, coming back into our main subject today, which is the supply chain challenges for retail. So, the first question So, from your point of view, what are the major uh, retail supply chain changes that you have seen in the last 18 months uh, in this oh, state, especially okay. in COVID 19? It, it, has,
1: it has been an incredible 18 months, hasn't it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, i think there are some obvious changes which of course we started to see over 12 months ago and that would be around sourcing um, and it was very interesting early on in 2020 and march april uh, i spent a lot of time talking to many of our consulting clients and finding out how they were coping with things and a lot of them said we're just running out of product Um, There were some very interesting dynamics in the market, Um, everybody was starting to work from home, so office products were, you know, stocks were running very low. Um, So it was an interesting time the first couple of months there. I think the, yeah, I mean sourcing was certainly a major challenge, Um, not just getting product from overseas, but I think a lot of companies realised also that they needed to have multiple sourcing points. Um, if i can relate a story from one of our clients actually in southeast asia um, they're a very large beverage company and early on in the pandemic uh, they started having problems with getting spare parts for their bottling lines uh, and the ceo said well no problem let's um, you know the and the spare parts were coming from china he said no problem let's have a look at our secondary suppliers because we've planned for all of this and we have secondary and tertiary suppliers the secondary suppliers were also in China, and it was hard to get product out. So I think one of, the, one of the big challenges and changes over the last year or so has been in sourcing. And people are not only looking to diversify their sourcing a little bit so that they're not just reliant on one particular supplier, uh, but also starting to look at maybe sourcing from different countries. So here in Australia, we source a lot of product out of China. Uh, companies are, are looking for alternatives, maybe just to have a little bit of a backup from maybe India or somewhere else. Uh, but of course, sourcing is a very big ship and it's very hard to, to change direction. You you can't suddenly, you know, source billions of dollars of products from somewhere else. Factories have to be established, relationships and so on have to be established. So, you know, that can, that can be a challenge. Um, I think one of the, other than sourcing, one of the really big changes has probably been in demand management. Um certainly last year, we had the huge spikes in in uh, different products, demand. Um, now we're getting a lot more sophisticated, particularly in systems, to really look at our our demand, our true demand. And I, again, a very interesting story um, from a pharmaceutical company last year. Um, and let's say uh, I don't want to give away who they are. So let's say they made products for asthmatics, and suddenly the the demand for those products went through the roof. But they didn't know what was true demand. And you're and you're an expert in SNOP, so this would uh, really resonate with you. Uh, and they had they had to work out are asthmatics buying more products because they're worried about COVID? Are hospitals were also stocking up on the product because they thought if we have asthmatic patients coming in, we need more. And then some people were just buying the product because they thought maybe it helps with COVID. And so, <laughs> you know, you, you have this bizarre demand profile uh, where suddenly it spikes, but is it true demand? And is that sustainable? Um, so, yeah, just a couple of examples of some some very big
0: changes, I think. Perfect. I love how you put it in and... Uh... I think also one of the things that you, we opened it, it's about the localization. We, we spoke about this in the last period also in, in in one of the webinars about most retailers and most distributors and even companies, they should work and focus on the localization part, developing a local entity inside this because of the uncertainty and especially pandemic that we faced right now. It opens a lot of eyes that we have to look into localization and moving into from a centralization all over the world, let's say for multinational company, to decentralize. And so that the leadership should play a big role on the balancing between the P&L or the income and statement mm. and the profits versus the inventory level. You know, I,
1: I mean, you know what drives a lot of that? It's the, it's the consumer behavior. Um, I had this discussion on radio a little while back, and um, somebody said to me, you know, why aren't we... Sourcing more locally and and let's buy Australian products. I said, look, that's great. But you ask the average person in the street, do you want to pay three times more for your children's school uniforms? Because (laughs) that's what will happen if it's made in Australia. It's a sad reality that, you know, over the last couple of decades, we source from much lower cost countries.
0: Definitely. So we have many people today. They're joining over all the world. So we have uh, Mohammed. He's saying thanks for opportunity provided to be there. Here, thank you, Muhammad. And we have yeah. LinkedIn user. I'm not sure how it's not appearing, but looking forward to this great conversation, Ahmad and Rob. Thank you. We have Shay is joining from Dublin. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Shay. We have uh, Taibaji. Great conversation, Ahmad Khalid. Thank you, Taibaji. Thank you so much. Uh, we have Ahmad Rashid. Amazing conversation and great effort, Ahmed. Thank you, brother. Uh, we have Ahmed Hamamsi. He was speaking about uh, soul uh, sourcing from China. Mm-hmm. People start to move to other countries like India. Exactly, Ahmed. We have again uh, uh, Shay and Shadi. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the beautiful engagement. So, going back to the second question, uh, Rob. Uh, The question that I want to ask you, will the retail comes back to the same trend like uh, before COVID-19? And from your point of view, how it will look like in the future?
1: I don't think it will. I I think the retail that we saw uh, pre-COVID is gone, uh, largely. Um, And there's a couple of reasons for that. Because not only have our supply chains changed and the dynamics all the way through our supply chains but I think the biggest change has been through our customers and our consumers. Um, I have never bought so much online as I have in the last 12 months. I mean, I, I will confess for the first few months of you know, 2020, we, we didn't go out much. We had everything delivered. And it's interesting when I look at you know the many companies that I have the, the pleasure of working with, their online orders went through the roof, uh, generally increased by 50 to 200%. Um, and that change is not going to go away post-COVID because now people are used to online ordering, they're very comfortable with it, um, and a lot of the companies I'm working with, they're, they're estimating that maybe 50% of their online orders will remain post-COVID. So, you know, that that could be double the pre-COVID numbers. And and then we have to look at our relationship with retailers. Um I haven't wandered around retail stores very much at all in the last 12 months until recently. Um, as, as you know, I've made I, I love uh, long-distance hiking and I had to go out and buy some new hiking shoes. I'm not going to buy those online. I have to go and try them and... Uh, You know, so I I went to a few stores. So those sorts of – there are a group of retailers where I think consumers will always want to go to the store. They want to touch and feel the product. They want to try the product on. But I think there's a massive area of the market where people now are just comfortable with ordering online. Um, And I think that's going to be a very interesting change for our shopping malls going forward. How will shopping malls look in the future? And I predict that we will see a little bit of back to the future. Um, I don't know if there's anyone from the UK on the call, um, but way back 30 years ago in the UK was a retailer called Argos and they were a showroom retailer where you would go into the shop space. Uh, you'd, you'd have a look literally look through a catalog, there would be a few products available to look at. you would order order the product and it would come from the warehouse right behind the retail space. Um, and, and I think we may see that retail stores may start to become more like showrooms where you can try the product on and either the product would be available from a warehouse at the back of the retail store or, or maybe it's a click and deliver or click and collect. So I, I think it's going to be a real shakeup for retail. And uh, it's, it's very interesting how, depending on the industry, so many retailers have done so well over the last 12 months. Um, you know, sales just went up. Um, you know, fitness equipment, uh, home repair, you know, products. Um, I, I just feel really sorry for some of the retailers who struggled a bit during the last year or so. But no, I, I think we're going to see a, a, a massive change going forwards.
0: Fascinating. Fascinating. Adding up to these amazing insights that you put it on, I think also one of the challenges or uh, that after pandemic, it opens an eye for the retailer about that change in the behavior of inventory management. Even uh, from the consumer side, or I would say from the sellout or the offtake mm-hmm. side, the demand has changed from the consumer behavior, totally changed. And even if it comes back, it it, it gives us, like the retailer, like a cautious. They are very cautious mm-hmm. when they do the inventory management. They they understand now that the cash flow how they they can uh, work on 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 the inventory health report how they can work on this because one once one time the the inventory reports and the inventory uh coverage that they have it went up in in, in one one like spike in on a spot so i think this has pushed the retailer to have uh, like uh, uh, going into uh, contractual agreements be- between them and the vendors suppliers mm. distributors whatever and uh, build this kind of alliance and strategic alliance, reviewing this kind of contracts, making this strategic alliance together to have, to to, to let them, uh, the, the supplier or the retailer, uh, continuity business plan just going on. So uh, this this kind of change in the behavior of, my, uh, of inventory management, I think from my point of view, and as you said, it will keep the same after COVID-19 and because it was an eye opener. Mm, absolutely. Yes, going back to our audience. So we have uh, uh, Khaled. He's saying hello from Egypt. Khaled, hello. Our friend Mustafa Agami from Egypt. Hi, Ahmed. Hi, Mustafa. Raja, hello from Pakistan. Hello, Raja. And uh, Hisham, great opportunity. Thank you, Hisham. There's and an interesting
1: question there from a LinkedIn user saying the store shelves are low in the US and that, you know the stores are busy and the parking areas are packed. That's interesting. I think people in different countries have reacted slightly differently. Uh, here in Australia, yeah, you know, people are buying TVs. He's saying um, here in Australia we buy them online. We, we oh. you know, we, we didn't go to the stores so much. So I think there's different behaviours around the world.
0: Perfect. So we have uh, Raja again. It's a very important topic. Thank you, Raja. Uh, Michael in Dublin, Ireland. Really nice and relevant talk, guys. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Shady is asking question. Rob, since the transportation is about 60% of the variable cost, so how it was affected after COVID-19?
1: Oh, great question! Um, You know, I I would be I would be sitting. I'm in my home office here. I can look out on the street. My wife used to get very frustrated during last year because two or three times a day a delivery would turn up at the house, Um, and I was constantly looking, thinking, "How can they afford to do this?" Uh, you know, particularly companies like Amazon, where I can I can just order you know a small product and it gets delivered free. Um, you know, one of my passions is is establishing cost to serve in the supply chain and helping people understand the profitability of different customers and products. And of course, home deliveries particularly are the most expensive form of delivery. So that's a great question, Shady. Um, and a lot of companies have seen their distribution costs go up, of course, because the whole distribution profile has changed. It's more frequent orders, it's smaller orders, it's orders, you know, going to the home, not to a retail store. Um, and the and the smart companies have really invested in technology, um, different systems to help them drive that cost down. And I, I notice now that um, a lot of the deliveries coming to my home, they're not the traditional courier vans. You know, it's it, we've I hate to use that term, but we, we seem to have Uberized home delivery now. Uh, my Amazon deliveries are just a guy in a car, you know, <laughs> who's doing it a couple of couple of hours after work. So I, I think it's making us much more innovative and trying to find lower cost ways to to do these deliveries.
0: I I love that, Rob. I think also one of the things that most companies after COVID-19, and you you have already mentioned it, it's about the frequency frequency of the ordering mm-hmm. because, most of the retailer they they very they are very cautious on the ordering. So mm. the ordering patterns and order frequency of them just went went. You know the peak is going up and downs. Mm. So due to all of this stuff, I think the transportation utilization itself just adding up. In what you're saying, utilization is going down, especially as per the truck size, the truck type itself. So mm. one of the, the, the things that I can can just add it up here. Uh, using something like uh, multiple drops, just to go in region zones, uh, we we'll try to utilize the orders, working multiple vendors, doing like milk runs, all of this stuff. that will we'll even utilize your utilization, uh, utilization of your transportation, and at the same time, it will reduce the your, your distribution cost. Uh, this is one, one of the things and I think also adding up to this, it's all about the CRM, Customer Relationship Management, mm. how you are interacting with your customers and how you are adding, uh, speaking to them, letting understand their supply chain as well, how their frequency of ordering, all of this stuff will adding up into your cost, even in, in your transportation mm. as well as it's uh, the, the warehousing as well. Yeah, so very true. Thank you. So Going back to the third question, and then we'll come back to our amazing audience. So is sustainability still high on the agenda of supply chain or it's been forgotten after the COVID-19 from your point of view as well, based on the 42 years? 42%. Yeah,
1: interesting, isn't it? Um, you know, so the whole sustainability um, issue, I think, was becoming very prominent pre-COVID. We seemed to play with it, and there was a degree of what they call greenwashing, you know, and companies were were trying to look, uh, you know, environmentally friendly. That was really starting to, to, uh, to get a lot of momentum pre-COVID. But, of course, COVID took our eye off the ball a little bit. It was about survival. It was about... You know, trying to to make sure that we could just run our supply chains and maybe not necessarily uh, in as green a manner as possible, but sustainability is definitely back on the agenda now. Uh, a lot of companies I've, I've been talking to companies this week who who want assistance with that. They they really want to you know do the basics like measuring emissions at uh, scope one, scope two, scope three. Um, but also, I think a lot of companies now under pressure from their markets are getting much more serious about things like circularity, uh, ethical sourcing, fair trade. Um, you know and I think that's a generational thing and it's a good thing. People want to know where their products are bought from and you know who made this and and were the conditions, you know, okay for the people producing these products. So I think we're going to see that becoming much more prominent over the next couple of years now and it's it's not just going to be about your product um uh, you know your consumers want to have faith in how you manage your supply chain and how you source your products and how you look after people and how you look after the planet
0: fascinating Uh, rob just i know that one of your core values in your business it's the corporate social responsibility and i know that you have some charity are all uh, all over the world so can can you tell us uh, what is the, what drives you, I would say, uh, to have these kind of values, especially for the corporate social responsibility, because most companies, they don't have uh, the full understanding about that the, the corporate social responsibility and why it's needed from your wow. point of
1: view. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big question. We could do a whole yeah. session on that. Um, I think corporate social responsibility. A lot of people can play pay lip service to it, and and it's a little bit like you know greenwashing, where we, we have to be seen to be doing the right thing. Um, I think good corporate social responsibility comes from the heart of the leaders of the business, um, and you have to. It has to be an integral part of your purpose and your values and your reason for being in business, and and that's certainly. Um, what happens at Logistics Bureau, my consulting company. And, and, you know, funnily enough, about 10 years ago, I got the directors of the business all together. And uh, I, I said to them, you know, we sat down and we watched that fantastic video of Simon Sinek, Start With Why, you know, working out your why. And I said to them, we're going to watch this video. And then by the end of the day, we're going to debate what makes us tick, what gets us out of bed in the morning, you know, what makes us do what we do. And it was interesting because we were all driven by the same thing, and it's helping people. So in our consulting business, we help people improve their supply chains, but we can do so much more than that because um, we can also help those less fortunate in the world and we can help the planet as well. So we integrate um that that sort of charity giving with our everyday business as well so you know a proportion of our income all goes to different charities around the world we, we triple offset all of our travel so you know if any of our consultants are flying we do a triple offset of you know the carbon and so on um and that yeah it's just kind of becomes a core purpose and there's lots of companies like that around the world which is great
0: Beautiful, beautiful, Uh, I think you have nailed it also because most companies and small businesses, they don't pay the attention for the corporate social responsibility. And I would say they are operating by the single bottom line, just everything it's related Mm -hmm. to economical business, how they achieve the financial, uh, I would say satisfaction at their side and uh, just ignoring the environmental and social responsibility Mm -hmm. on the other side. And this this will help, Just just for an example, the, the, the social responsibility and environmental uh, responsibility, I would say, it will just facilitate the, the discussion and even with the government in, in the countries, uh, all of these uh, strategical alliances and even facilitating all of this uh, business growing or all challenges uh, that, that we have inside the country itself, it will help your, your business to grow so taking that, yes it taking take into consideration this environmental and social responsibility it's very essential and it's very must nowadays not like before you know, there, there,
1: there, there was a wonderful interview with richard branson and and he said something like if we wait for governments to try and fix the problems of the planet you know it's going to be a very long wait businesses have the power to make change and I, and i think that's that's i think that's what our consumers want they want they want business leaders to step up and, and try and improve the environment as well and it's a lot easier for businesses to, to make those changes
0: exactly thank you rob coming back to our beautiful audience muhammad he's saying can you please give a knowledge that we are uh, the top few tips that that can apply to help the smooth supply chain management
1: Wow! Well, top five tips um visibility is key visibility of costs and performance uh and, and your products um and having the right KPIs in the business particularly around things like cost to serve so you can understand where profit leakage is um flexibility in the supply chain uh so that you you know with warehousing and transport so that you can be very agile that's three um great communication so again SNOP being a great example of that number fourth uh, fourth sorry fifth one um, people really uh, allow your people to step up and, and challenge what you're doing and help you improve and engage
0: with the business for improvement thank you Rob thank you so much so going to Shay. I've done a lot of work with Ergos in the UK he was just replying yeah. back
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a great company I used to love the Argos catalog
0: he's <laughs> our friend he's an amazing guy And Ahmad Kabil, he's saying, nice to see you, Ahmad Khalid and Rob Thank you, my brother. And uh, we have here LinkedIn user. I think she's Elaine. I'm not sure LinkedIn user why it's appearing. Yeah, that was a great
1: question, which we touched on. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay, going back, Ahmad Hamamsi is saying, true, who didn't have a presence online, was wiped out and went off the business. Exactly, Ahmad. Thank you for your amazing uh, Answer, you, say,
1: you know, I think, uh, Ahmed, one of the things that we saw last year was the spotlight was shined on supply chain. And now everybody in the world knows what supply chain is because they, they want to know how their rice, their bread, their toilet, you get to the supermarket, everybody knows now. Um, and I think it's been fantastic for the industry. But what it's also demonstrated is that supply chain people are smart people. They're, they're fixers. And some of the things that... That companies did to manage their supply chains during last year was amazing. You know, we had pop-up warehouses, huge twenty thousand square meter warehouses would be set up in in seven days. You know, to co- to cater with extra demand. You know, that's that that's you know supply chain at work. You know, minute by minute, and it's fantastic to see.
0: Amazing, thank you, Rob. Uh Hassan Masri, he was I hosted Hassan Masri the first episode. He was attending today, very interesting topic, thank you. Thank you, Hussain, for being there today, thank you so much. And uh, Mohammed, hi Ahmed and Rob, great session. Can augmented reality uh, VR solve the problem of visiting the stores? I'm
1: not an expert on uh, augmented reality and VR, but um, I I think we're gonna see a huge leap in the use of technology and we're starting to see that. you know, particularly around uh, robotics, so we've got robots and cobots, and, and you know, all manner of technology being used in, in warehousing. Uh, what I think is really interesting is is the use of technology and I and um, AI, particularly in things like forecasting and SOP. And uh, there's a great example that a friend told me, uh, for example, how how you can integrate different systems. Uh, you know, in those sh- in the shopping malls when you drive in, maybe it's a bit old school now, but Uh, When you drive into the shopping mall, you see the little red and green lights telling you where the parking spaces are available.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. So you can, that's a great information system. So you can, you can, um, you have visibility of the traffic coming into your shopping mall. Imagine if you hook that up with uh, the weather forecasting systems. And here in Australia, all the families are out at the weekends taking their kids to sports and so on. So if you know that it's going to rain on Saturday, less people are going to be going out for sports and they'll be coming into the shopping malls. And so you can tie the weather forecasting to the shopping mall traffic and you can have real-time updates going to the food court in the shopping mall saying you're going to get hit with a 20% increase of people at lunchtime today. So I I think that's the fascinating area of supply chain going into the future. It's it's how we can integrate all of this knowledge to, to better manage our supply chain.
0: Beautiful illustration. Adding up also to this, uh, I'm talking about the store. If Muhammad is, is speaking about the store, I think one of the challenges right now, it's the on-shelf availability, especially for the consumer goods industry, mm-hmm. about how to calculate the OSA or the on-shelf availability. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the one uh, research that have been done, uh, I think, like there is a framework, or just like a camera, is is setting up, like uh, uh, setting the planogram itself by a product of the company itself and the framing it and if there is any empty space it will calculate on spot and give like signal to the company based on the mm. smart store itself giving a signal about the own shelf availability on real time uh, spot so i think this is this could be one of the, the challenges because i think also also o- o- it's one of the biggest a challenge or the problems for calculating the sh- on-shelf availability for the retailer and for the company itself and the, and the, the even the, the, the order fulfillment from the order fulfillment uh, side
1: i think that that question from muhammad is interesting because uh, <coughs> sorry, i just realized what your true question is here um it, it's really about how can we interface with the store more as the consumer um you know so if i if i'm wanting to buy a product what have i got here a torch Um, you know with with augmented reality and vr i I could maybe actually look at the product and and check it out online without having to actually go into the store so yeah that's some amazing
0: things coming i like the question so coming back islam islam is saying thank you islam ahmad musa is saying how about post-covid-19 forecasting techniques for the retailer shall it be changed
1: I think one of the big changes we've seen in forecasting is the speed of forecasting. Uh, I think the days of looking at your historical sales month by month and saying, well, this is what we sold for the last three months, that's probably what we're going to sell for the next three months,
0: Uh,
1: I think those days are gone pretty much. We need real-time forecasting, so we need to be updating, um, uh, you know, the demand going across the checkouts basically in real time um and and i think that's where technology is really going to help us so we've we've got to have much more predictive forecasting and we've got to get a lot smarter about that and that will help us manage our inventory levels far better as well
0: exactly thank you rob so coming back to our questions and we come back also to our audience what are the smart retailer uh, are doing right now from your point of view
1: well, it's, it's interesting, you know, for, uh, over the last 12 months or so, um, I expected the type of work that we were doing in our consulting business to change, but it didn't. Um, most of our consulting clients are larger companies, a lot of them large retailers. And whilst they were trying to deal with COVID, they had a very firm focus on the longer term too. And so we were working last year on projects that, that were plans for the next 10 or 15 years, Uh, And so I think the smart retailers have that longer-term vision. They're they're establishing their distribution networks, not just for the next couple of years, but for the next 10 years. And I think what's really interesting is they're building in a lot more flexibility now. So a a lot of our work is now focused on How do we fulfill the demand? Is it through traditional distribution centers? Are are we going to be using dark stores? Are we going to be using separate fulfillment centers for online distribution? Um, And coming back to that question about robotics and AI, and Amazon's a great example of this, um, I think we're going to see a lot less very capital-intensive static equipment in warehouses. We, we want to have much more flexibility. So, uh, you know, I think we've all seen that style of warehouse where we've got uh, AGVs, automatic guided vehicles, running around with shelving systems on the top, and it's bringing the product to the people picking the orders into the warehouses. So I, I think the smart companies are... Thinking ahead, they're, they're not scared to invest for the next 10 or 15 years, but they're smart enough to realize that things are changing and we can't have a supply chain that is too rigid. We've got to have a lot more flexibility.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Rob. I think the time is flying as well. It's going now, it's 35 minutes. Coming back to our the question, just to try to cover mm-hmm. most of the questions of our audience, Hussain mostly is saying the data will play a key role and f- frequency of order for some items will influence creating satellite warehouse in a state of monster. Hopsicle. Exactly. Great point. Exactly. And uh, LinkedIn user, I think, also Baith uh, agrees with Ahmed Khalid customer relationship interaction is so important. And now even more than ever that the world realized the pandemic changed the course of thinking. Definitely, definitely. Mm. So uh, the last question and uh, I think it's a very interesting question, uh, Rob. What are the basic mistakes uh, from your point of view as well? You have seen where the retailer, retailer in the supply chain are doing right now.
1: Oh, some of the basic mistakes. Um, I think one would definitely be in forecasting and demand management um, and really not being reactive enough Um You know, I was talking to a large beverage company uh, about six months ago about how they were coping because, you know, beverage sales went through the roof Um, and they were doing their normal sales and operations planning process and so on, but they were having daily communication with suppliers and factories. Um, And I I think a lot of people took too long to realize that we can still use the same processes, but we've just got to do, we've got to cycle that process a lot quicker We've, we've, you know, we've got to be refreshing a lot quicker, the information and so on. Um, not capturing the true demand, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so, you know, seeing through all of the peaks and troughs to see what the, the true underlying demand is. Um, and and I think, you know, a lot of people were just inflexible. Uh, and they were, you know, as we say here in Australia, they were a bit like the rabbit in the headlights. You know they were stunned and not sure what to do um, whereas the the more innovative companies the the forward thinking companies um, would would be brainstorming solutions and and you know throwing up warehouses in a matter of days and um, you know we, we had companies collaborating on transport, competitors collaborating on transport you know which has never been seen before. so we've got to start thinking, um, you know, outside the box now and being much more innovative in our supply chains. And those whose thinking is still like it was two or three years ago, uh, they're going to struggle.
0: Great and wonderful, as usual, amazing insights, uh, Rob. I think we have uh, came into the end of the episode. I'm not sure how to tell, but seriously, I would like to thank you for insisting again uh, on giving that time it's started at 5am at your end i know it's too <laughs> early for you but i would like to thank you uh, on behalf of the linkedin family that we have today and it's it, it was real a pleasure having you in this episode and i'm sure quite sure that we will meet again for another great episode so again I thank you for these insights and uh, I'm sure also that together we will be able there are many questions along the way it's here we we will be able to cover it after uh, this episode to our audience and thanks again for you and for the amazing uh, beautiful audience that we have them today and looking forward to meet you again thank you
1: Thank you, Ahmed. And thank you everybody for joining us. There's some fantastic questions. Let's let's keep the debate going on LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> thank you. You'll have a great day. Bye bye.